you're listening to Being Awesome, the podcast about loving Transformers and having fun. I'm Rob, lucky you, or unlucky you, depending on if you like me or not. But if you don't like me, why would you watch or listen to this? Think about that for a second. <laughs> this week in Awesome, uh, some more TFCon uh, Charlotte news happened. Uh, writer Flint Dilly is going to attend. Um, Flint Dilly is one of the screenwriters of the original uh, 80s Transformers cartoon, as well as one of the writers of the uh, 1986 movie, which is really funny that they've invited him to come out, because this week on the 17th was the anniversary of the, uh, sorry, I'm praying for you there, of the first episode of uh, put uh, crap of the original G1 cartoon, which is just kind of funny. Uh, I wonder if they announced it uh, around the same time on purpose or just came that way. Um, I think the uh, the news of it being the 17th kind of surprised a lot of people because you just don't remember some dates. So, like, it was on the wiki somewhere or someone found on the Wikipedia article that like the original broadcast date was uh seventeenth of September and I think it said two thousand fifteen, making it about a year after the toys started showing up. But the toys started showing up like toward the tail end of nineteen eighty four, so I guess it's a good time. Actually no, I think it would be thirty one years because I think it did start in eighty four. My my nose just squeaked. I'm a little uh little zonked out of my mind's in a thousand different places, so little details I'm forgetting. There went again. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> well, let's see if I can do it on purpose. See, it's not doing it when I try to do it on purpose. I don't know what's going on, but apparently I'm a Muppet today. Anyway. I'm sure there's some people that just have every little factoid and every little insignificant thing memorized and I would say I'm jealous of them, but I got so much else to remember, like, you know, work stuff, you know, family stuff, you know, so sometimes these little things you have to be like, oh, yeah, it was then. Okay, cool. Yeah. And they say, well, you don't remember? It's like, if I had less going on, I would. You know, it's one of those half memories where you have to be jogged up every once in a while, but still cool that it synchronizes like that, that, um, Flint Dilly is going to be at TFCon Charlotte. And uh, it's just funny. That it, I, it worked out that way that they announced it that same week. Um, Flint Dilly, according to some interviews I heard of him, he, he's, he had a lot of the ideas that we all like. Or like he wanted uh, the 86 movie to be even more violent, uh, believe it or not. And stuff like that. It would be interesting to listen to him speak. I've heard interviews with him before and uh, I've always enjoyed them. Out of something funny, uh, for a very short time he was on my Facebook friends list. Which being friends with a uh, performer or an artist is always kind of touch and go. Cause you know they're kind of, it's more of a PR thing, you know, for them. And one day, it was when uh, Autocracy was out and I read the newest issue. And I'll be honest with you guys, I didn't enjoy Autocracy. I think I liked Monstrosity, about half of it, and then the second half of it I didn't really like, but those, those books just weren't for me. And I made some 
forgetting he was on there, made a status update saying, boy, they're making this autocracy up as they go, aren't they? And for an, and you know, one day I got curious and I was looking, I was like, I ain't seen Flint Dilly post in a while. And so I did, he had unfriended me. So <laughs> I must have pissed him off. Either that or he's just doing a friend to call like a lot of people do, or just they're like, I don't really interact with this person, I'll just unfriend them, you know. So I don't know, it's funny to me that I pissed off him <laughs> if I did. Uh, also this week, you know, I got Mario Maker, which is a really good game. And, you know, you know, the Wii U catches a lot of flack. Um, because, you know, Grand Theft Auto's not on it. That, yeah. <laughs> but it catches a lot of flack, and you'll see a lot of sort of flippant, smart-ass remarks online about it. But there's nothing really wrong with it. It's, one of the, it's like a beautiful system. It's really fun to play, and... Mario Maker really makes use of it a lot. Uh, makes use of the uh, gamepad a lot. It's just such a great experience. Um, it's someone like me who's always loved Mario. And, you know, it's like always one of my favorite game franchises. It's great to have these tools available to me to easily make Mario levels. And, like, I was having a lot of fun this past weekend. Staying, practically staying up, up all night playing stuff, levels other people made. Just It's a game that never gets boring like I was I was trying to make like levels that would fit in in a Mario game not like, like a lot of people try to make as hard as they could or and a lot of people made these cool Rube Goldberg devices where like you just didn't move and things would happen and move Mario across the screen and stuff like that which was really awesome but I was trying to make ones be like okay a lot, like an actual, you know, like what I would perceive as a level I'd play and be like, oh wow, if I played it. And that's that's kind of what I was trying to do. Not that other people didn't, because a lot of people made some really good levels. Uh, you can use your amiibo in the game, make costumes for Mario in a Super Mario Brothers style. You know, the first one. And um, a lot of people really, I had a lot of fun with it too. But a lot of people had a lot of fun uh, making levels based around the costumes or one guy had a amiibo all-star or a girl had an amiibo all-stars level where it's just like as you went you get an amiibo costume being a character and the level will be somewhat as close as they could similar to that character's game like Mega Man was pretty close it was just you know they did the best they could with Mega Man Pac-Man was really impressive uh, Donkey Kong was what like Mega Man where they did the best they could what they had like Kid Icarus and Metroid and all those, they did a really good job with those. But it was just really cool how you get walk into a level, put on a costume, and then play and walk to the whole thing was a level. Like you'd put on a costume and the next few seconds of the game would be like that character's game. It was really cool. Um that's like if you don't have a Wii U, get a Wii U. There's I mean some people tell you don't get a Wii U without this game, but there's a lot of great games for it. It's a good system. It's a little sad that it gets a downed on so much but every time a hit game comes out for it people start clamoring for it so you know a lot of the same people I saw um, criticizing it were all over and about Nintendo the minute that game came out or Smash Brothers or Splatoon so if it's not your bucket of a bucket of what if it's not your glass of tea so to speak then I wouldn't blame you but man it was really it's really fun time also this week I'd got I'd went to Toys R Us because they had a uh, 
on their Clash of Transformers, you know, the exclusive Toys R Us uh, sub, subline of Red, they had a buy one get one 40% off sale. And I had quite a bit of store credit because, you know, I use a, the tr true rewards and I really bank them up and like, I had about a good $15 in store rewards. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go in, pay barely anything and get me two toys. And I initially planned to get, excuse me, Megatronus and uh, one of the three-step guys. But I was mistaken thinking Megatronus was 20 bucks, and he was like 30 which as much as I want that Megatronus toy, that's a little more than I want to pay for it. Like, so I'm going to wait for a, another sale on him or something, so I'll be, knock it down a little more, because that's like a $20 toy. <laughs> There's no way that's a $30 toy. Um, so, but I uh, got me a three-step figure, and uh, I got the, uh, the repaint of Sideswipe, which he's over there now. I should have brought him over here. But one one toy I've been wanting to get. See, you know, there's that three-step Optimus that's been around for a while. And I always thought it cool because a lot of these uh, simplified kitty toys end up being like lost G1 toys, basically. You know, the way their sculpts and all that, they end up being like, wow. Like, you know the reaction figures? I love those too. How those reaction figures are made to be like fake old Kenner figures. You know, like they... You could probably put a, put them almost all of them next to an old Star Wars toy, and someone who didn't know any better would think it's one of them. You know, not all of them. Some of them are pretty bad. And from what I understand, uh, one of the designers I read an interview where he's like, "Some of our earlier attempts came out really bad," <laughs> and he's like, "But you know, they improved it, and like you definitely see it in the uh, excuse me monster lines and all that. How they've improved the process." I digress. But it's almost the same way. A lot of the simplified toys almost come out like lost G1 figures. Like that Vicon. That's part of the, uh, I forgot what that subline's called. The uh, Quick Action. They're like the new version of Fast Action Battlers, but they don't have a name. For the Age of Extinction line. Uh, that's like a lost G1.5 toy. You know, like a lost late Euro G1 era toy that when they started blending into G2. Like, he's almost like one of those. And there's so many other ones that are like, that are like that. Well, that three-stepped three Optimus, three-stepped Optimus was very much a uh, callback to the uh, Victory era or Brave era toys. And then, you know, they have that Mega one that came out with the, uh, it was larger and with more colors on them. That was like, wow, yes, that is definitely a lost victory, brave, late G1, brave era Takara toy. And I wanted to get it, but just like, just like uh, Megatron, it's like, that is not 30 bucks. <laughs> that is 20. And so I was kind of waiting for a sale. Uh, spoilers, I buy a lot of stuff on sales. I got Devastator for like 140 something dollars with shipping. And I got him using points. And, you know, I got used free shipping and got him within a week. You know, so I do a lot of my uh, Transformers purchasing, uh, taking advantage of point systems and all that. Because I like to save money. And when you buy a lot of toys and you go, wow, that was 60 bucks. It look like sixty bucks, so I like to I like to be, be try to do this intelligently and 
not spend more than I think I should for something. And I usually come out ahead, so it works out for me. Maybe one day I'll do a how to save money on buying these things uh, episode, maybe. But anyway, back to what I was saying. Well, one day I was looking at those three steps and I noticed that they did a clap. I knew they did the Bumblebee with a new head and a deco to look like he did on the show. But then I noticed the three step Optimus. They also had it with a redeco that looked just like the uh, Mega one. And he even has a new head. I'll put him up to the camera. I know audio listeners can't see it, but it's not much of a new head, but they added uh, extra armor pieces to his head, which makes it even better looking. So I totally grabbed it in Sideswipe and with my points. I actually bought the girlfriend some candy. And with my points, like forty dollar purchase ended up being like seventeen bucks for tax so worked out for me but yeah so I'm happy because he's a little bit smaller than that mega version but de definitely with this paint deco and especially with this extra bit of face goober they put on him he is totally a lost late G1 toy or like a big brave toy or whatever he came with a little dinky sword which is funny because it's like orange and it doesn't look bad. It's just kind of. It almost looks. It almost stands out with this cool robot toy. He's got this tiny little. Tiny little orange sword. Really cool. I'm very happy with it. He transforms in three steps. <laughs> but yeah, it's. He's my computer buddy for the moment. Most of my stuff is still in boxes behind me. It's probably going to stay that way. Save for a couple I'll put on some bookshelves. You know. You know, my uh, man cave here is probably going to be pretty covered in boxes for the most part. Just because i got everything condensed down to one room. So it's going to be kind of piled up a little. But I'm going to keep it clean. So I've done a little progress with it. I need to do some more. But like I said, adult life on top of home life. You know, you got to... The toy room, can I can take my time with it. I don't mind it being a pigsty anyway. I think the girl does. But uh, let's get some Q&A. Our Q&A thread, of course, is uh, exclusive to Talk Transformers, which is our uh, Facebook uh, group that I partnered up with, and we're like BFFs. <laughs> and it's like the best place you can talk Transformers online. Seriously. Um, this week's question, James Godier asks, Do you feel... Hasbro forces its influence on IDW more than RID than in More Than Meets the Eye, such as storylines and figure designs. It seems like James Roberts gets more play and left alone while John Barber is constantly putting new toys into his books and stories, kind of like the old Marvel run. Well, James, thanks for your question. And, yeah, they totally are. And if I could be honest, I kind of wish, kind of wish they'd, uh, data treat them equally you know because John Barber is the editor chief editor of Transformers basically um, that's probably not his actual title but he's the one that kind of runs it all and you know he's in charge his you know he has to watch over the former rid and it was just not Transformers and the, the Windblade comic which interacts with it and whatever miniseries or whatever uh, so he's doing the Transformers comics in large and since they're such a popular force now, of course, Hasbro wants them to feature their products, as they should, because it's an advertisement. It's a well-written advertisement. You know, 
So as they they should, but and you know, there is some points where it's like it gets a little too toy commercially. But honestly, an unpopular opinion time during the, uh, especially during the first air quote season of them all, I enjoyed that book better than uh, More Than Meets the Eye. And that's not slamming it's More Than Meets the Eye. I just love that political uh, storyline they had going on with the uh, Bumblebee, Starscream, Prowl, Metalhawk, like, back and forth, and, you know, the murder and all that. Like, I found it so much better. And up until, basically after Megatron came back, that's that was, like, my favorite comic to read uh, out of the two. Um... Rid's real. I mean, these acronyms are annoying. <laughs> More than me, CI is a really good comic. Um, I think just because it's so popular is the reason Hasbro let it kind of lives on its own, as it's more of a. Uh, it's just obviously much more adult of the comics right now, and you know, being that one features so many toys like the Combiner War stuff and all that so heavily. They're able to leave it on its own, and that one that way it can kind of reach older people without getting, you know, a kid's not gonna well, a kid's not gonna walk into a comic store except with his parents or something who buys comics, but you know the comics get packed with figures, you know it's going to be those, not the more than meets the eye ones. That's just how it is. And then when you're if a kid goes to the comic store with his dad and sees one, he's gonna say, oh hey. Well, now there's the new Rid comic book, so he probably want it, or she. Um, but they'll probably say, "Hey, there's that cool Combiner War toy I got on the cover," as opposed to more than me CI, where like it's you know whatever James is writing about this week. You know, like here's Nautica dancing. Who's Nautica? You know, that's that's how the kids going to think. You know. So it's a little unfair. I wish they both got treated evenly. Um, I'm not going to lie. I haven't read read any in about two months. I've been so busy with, you know, moving and everything. I kind of fell behind. But now that things are starting to kind of slowly get back to normal, I'm going to try to catch up, play catch up and read more of them. Um, I'm, I'm in the camp of the unpopular opinion who, it's a little let down with more than meets the eye recently. Not not as a slam against James's writing or whatever. It's just I don't know. It's just not grabbing my interest as much as it did before. Because you know, like the remaining like storyline or the scavengers, all that. That was a lot of fun. And lately, it's just been like I hate to say it's fanficy because it's very it's very easy for fans to call something fanficy. I was just as guilty of saying it about Drift. You know, Windblade definitely is fanficky. You know, she's this perfect soldier, you know, that can never do wrong. Um, you know, but that's very, that's, that's a dick thing to say. And I, I don't mean to say that. It, it almost, the reason I say that is, is, it's like when you read something that doesn't resonate you as well, the sarcastic side comes in and says like, oh, just being one big fanfic. And, you know, it's just a dick thing to say, so I don't want to say that anymore. I'm just going to say, it's being written in a way that obviously is what James wants to write, and it's resonating really well with a lot of people. So, good for them, it's just it's losing me a little. Although, I think I'll probably, like I said, now that life's kind of getting back to normal some after my move, and, you know, I'm just kind of unpacking as I go, and 
once again, just completely, ridiculously happy with my new place. You know, I'll find some time to read and catch up, and maybe my overall opinions will change, or maybe just the past couple of months, it just wasn't doing it for me again, just like it was before, you know, where it was like, that's oh, a good comic, but I like this one better. I don't know, I feel like a dickhead saying all that, I don't want to judge people like that way, you know what I mean, it's really hard, especially when they seem like really nice people, I've never met them, but I've uh, listened to interviews and all that, and they always seem like really nice people, and they're putting a lot of work into it, so I hate being too judgmental over it, um, but at the same time, I'm spending money on it, so I have to be like, hey, look, I'm a customer, and I've got a right to be critical, and yeah, just not enjoying it as much as I did a good year ago. But I'm sure I'll come back around. He's a good writer. And, you know, usually I like one-shots more. Now, like overall arcing uh, uh, arcs. But I think in James Roberts' world, he needs overarching arcs, too. That was a clunky-ass sentence. He, need, he needs those arcs to really reel in his storytelling. You know what I mean? I think that really helps him a whole lot to have a... Uh, story arc to force them to write in because sometimes you're like like me for say if i'm doing something i kind of need a limitation to help me like mario maker there's my best way in mario maker you have to play five minutes a day for like a week to unlock everything it, may, it doesn't give you everything up front you have to unlock it and you know and you unlock it just by playing with it, using the maker, and next thing you know, I'll tell you, well, you got something coming in tomorrow, more more stuff that you've unlocked, you know. And while doing so with those limitations, I found myself, like, say, I'm using the new Super Mario Brothers uh, set, set up, and I've got, I want to make a level like this, well, I've only got this, 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 and this, and use those limitations, I'm able to make something a little more creative. Or like, say, what played Minecraft? You know, as great as that game is, it does have its limitations. And people who play it figured out the limitations and have made, used them to make something good. And I think that's what I'm saying is, I think sometimes some people, when they're given too much range to do whatever they want, they'll get lost in doing like, think of like Star Wars. The original trilogy was awesome. The prequel trilogy was not so great because George Lucas was able to do everything he wanted to do and no one had any say so. But if he had, like, say, a budgetary concern or maybe getting sued and someone else had to direct one of them and, you know, you know stuff like that, you know, it, limitations can be a good thing. They can help you kind of curb you in and make you focus, you know? You know, like... um I don't have a million analogies, but that's basically what I'm saying is for someone who likes one-shot stories a whole lot, I think I like it better when James Ar James Roberts has an arc to work in, if that makes any sense. And yes, yes James, I'm sorry if I spread off your uh, question, uh, he, he gets a little more free play, which I think is unfair, but at the same time, I understand why they're doing it. Yeah. So, hey, everybody, thanks for listening and watching on Facebook. Um, Being Awesome is part of the Radio Free Cybertron family of shows. Uh, you can find us at tfreo.net for all of our shows and showtimes. And, hey, hey.
<laughs> while you're there, check out those Amazon links. Uh, it's an easy way to support the show while just doing your normal shopping. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It's pretty great. Um, I'm Rob. You can find me at RoboRob Springer on Twitter and Tumblr. And, uh, I, I don't know how to close. I'm bad at closing this. I scratch my nose like a thousand times and then I click the red button after making a smart rat, smart ass remark. So, uh, see you later. Yeah, some guy hated that. Kind of glad he did. <laughs> Thanks. Bye.